coming up in this episode. Ten years ago, you said, during the Cold War, America's enemies were hard to kill, but easy to find. But now, it is exactly the opposite. They're easy to kill, but hard to find. That was ten years ago. What is the problem? Well, actually, let me make your day worse. They've gotten harder to find in the ten years. Michael Hayden, former NSA director and former CIA director, talks specifically about why it's so hard to find terrorists and why it's getting worse. That's coming up on Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Target USA is brought to you by TrueCar. There's something about TrueCar a lot of people don't know. Using TrueCar can also help you buy a used car. In fact, there are more than 500,000 pre-owned vehicles available from TrueCar certified dealers nationwide. So whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers, discounts off the list price for used cars, and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. You'll see what other people paid for the car you want, so you can know what a fair price is and feel confident. With TrueCar, you can connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing. That means you can enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. Using the TrueCar website or the TrueCar app, you can easily find the new or used car you want. TrueCar users save an average of $3,279 off MSRP. More than 2 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are more than 11,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar.com or download the TrueCar app and enjoy a better buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. San Bernardino. An act of terrorism. Paris. An attack on all of humanity. The Islamic State. I'm back, Obama. They want you to imagine them in the shadows. Hostile nation states. Can inflict mortal damage to the United States. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. November 30th, 2006, about 10 a.m. at CIA headquarters. I'm old enough to remember that other war, that Cold War thing. And there we had an enemy that, that was uh, easy to find. You, you knew where those echelon tank armies were in, in Eastern Europe. He was hard to kill. You had to bring an awful lot of firepower to bear against, against that kind of enemy. Now think of what we have today. The reverse. It's just the reverse. Easy to kill, and I'm using kill here a bit metaphorically. Kill, capture, disable, disrupt, and so on. Hard to find. I'm J.J. Green. That was a conversation between me and Michael Hayden, former director of the CIA. The retired four-star Air Force general had a knack for boiling down complex issues and quickly developing pathways to explain solutions to problems that might take others much longer and involve many more resources. He has a fairly new book out called Playing to the Edge. And on this program, 
Hayden, who grew up in Pittsburgh, played football in school and was coached by Dan Rooney, who's now the chairman of the Pittsburgh Steelers, explains why the problem of finding terrorists is getting worse after the U.S., essentially in the 2000s, knew what the terrorists were going to do before they did. So why do I bring up Hayden's relationship to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well, if you know Hayden and you know terrorism, you know he's going to use a football metaphor to explain the problem. Ten years ago, when you became head of the CIA, you gave us the very first broadcast interview. And in that interview, you said, during the Cold War, America's enemies were hard to kill, but easy to find. But now, it is exactly the opposite. Right. They're easy to kill, but hard to find. Right. That was 10 years ago. What is the problem <laughs> with, with this situation right now? I mean, why, why? Let me make your day worse. They've gotten harder to find in the 10 years. The, the dynamic you describe is one I really believed in and still believe in. All right. These guys can be stopped. You just have to identify them. And once you've done that, you've got overwhelming power. To, to bring to bear on them. And a part of the reason why I asked that question, because there was a time when we were, or the U.S. was doing some pretty good work on identifying. No, it's exactly right. It's exactly but right. But that's why I say, what's the problem right. now? So, so number one, you accept the basic premise, okay? That's why, for example, you wanted to be very aggressive with your intelligence programs, back to one of the underlying themes of the book. Um, you know, play to the edge, because the winning hand is the intelligence hand. The operational hand that follows, that's, we pretty much got that. I mean, Lord knows I'm not discounting the brave work people have to go do. But we're actually good once we can identify the location and the identity uh, of an enemy. All right? what, what's happened, J.J., and this is a phenomenon of maybe the last four or five years. It's, it's, it's related to ISIS. We geared up to stop an intelligence, uh, to stop a terrorist structure uh, that look like Al-Qaeda, which is networked, occasionally hierarchical, thoughtful, strategic, well-organized, and wanted to keep control over its various operations. If you, if you picture this as a soccer field, all right, and, and you know, you've got, a, you've got a midfield, you've got a defensive zone and an offensive zone, all right, we in the intelligence community, we controlled the midfield which, by the way, in most soccer games is how you win, mm -hmm. right? The ability of the bad guy to get from his zone into our zone, he had to transit the, the midfield. And we became very, very good at controlling the midfield. J.J., the first uh, month I was on the job at CIA in 2006, the plot du jour, and it was a bad plot, was the wide-body plot over the Atlantic. This is the reason we can't bring liquids aboard aircraft anymore because they're going to use sports bottles with explosives in them to bring down multiple wide bodies simultaneously between Great Britain and North America over the Atlantic. JJ, we were all over that plot. We owned that plot. Uh, the only argument we had with our British how, how did you own it? Well, we had, we had penetrated it. We, we had, the, the, the intelligence structure we had set up allowed us to penetrate and master the plots of the day, which were complex, multiple actor, slow-moving, well-organized. Mm. And we were geared, human intelligence, signals intelligence, fusion of that intelligence, penetration of the plot, 
Again, the only argument we have with our British friends is, well, when are you going to arrest these people? Right? That's no longer the primary threat against the United States. With the evolution of ISIS, uh, terrorism has gone populist. Rather than being hierarchical from the top down, a lot of terrorism now is generated from the bottom up. You know, Al-Qaeda was strategic. These guys are, are tactical. Al-Qaeda was patient. These guys are immediate. Al-Qaeda was nuanced. These guys are willing to practically do anything. And so, so what we've got, J.J., is a threat to our friends and to ourselves here in the homeland that really doesn't transit the midfield. It's, it, it doesn't have this complex structure that it gets hatched in their defensive zone and then has to be exported uh, into our defensive zone. And, of course, as you said, you own the midfield. We own the midfield, but it's not, they're not transiting the midfield anymore. So, so oh. you know, what, what about Chattanooga tra- transited the midfield? What about Garland, Texas transited the midfield? What, what about Orlando, Florida transited the midfield? Do, 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 do you see my point? Sure. So explain the process of how they're getting from... Uh, yeah, where into- it's, it is taking like-minded folks, all right, uh, inspiring them, uh, kind of uh, crowdsourcing <laughs> crowdsourcing terrorist terrorist inspiration and seeing who picks up the cudgel and strikes a blow for uh, for your particularly warped view of Islam so is it so is it okay don't worry about the complex big behemoth type of plot yeah. you folks over there don't worry about coming here to meet up with us just grab a car grab a knife Grab a club, right. grab whatever you can. And that's, that's certainly been the flavor of plot we've seen here. Mm. The ones in Europe, Brussels and Paris, a bit more organized, a bit more connective tissue. Back to, in one case, Yemen and Al-Qaeda there, the other case, uh, to ISIS. So what you've, what you've now got, by the way, JJ, we still want to play midfield. Mm. We want to play midfield real hard because it's the big, spectacular, mass casualty attack against iconic targets that ha- still has to transit the midfield. We don't want those coming back. Mm-hmm. But now we've got these others, the, the isolated individual shooting up a bar in Orlando, the mm-hmm. drive-by shootings in, in, in Chattanooga. And here it's getting really hard. Let me, let me just be very candid, JJ. My old tribe, the intelligence community, is going to find it increasingly difficult to predict and detect those kinds of attacks. Now, look, we, we, you, know, you, you, can, you can turn up the gain a little bit. You, you, can, you, you can turn up the torque somewhat on your collection, but let me be really candid as an American citizen. Back to playing to the edge. There are edges, okay? How much more of America's privacy or convenience or commerce do you want to squeeze for what I'm suggesting might be really just marginal gains in the ability to detect these sorts of things. Mm. But, so if we want to really see an interesting development. And so most of the stuff I did at NSA, JJ, was about um, what are you doing to the Fourth Amendment, Hayden? You know, reasonable expectations of privacy. And my answer was nothing because what we're doing is reasonable and lawful. But, but I get the point. I mean, that's something we argue about, and God bless us, we should. And so I was actually giving a talk down in Virginia Beach to actually um, hundreds of special operators. And I got this question. 
And I said, so, you know, I don't know there's much more we can do with regard to electronic surveillance that would give us a significantly higher probability we'll detect this stuff. And so, frankly, maybe y'all are looking at the wrong amendment. Maybe you ought to pay, your, pay a little more attention to the second, all right? The right to bear arms. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm telling you that I'm just about out of Schlitz in my ability to better detect this kind of attack, maybe our conversation among serious people ought to be if Hayden says they can't really do much better detecting it, maybe we should spend a little more time thinking about making it less effective when it does happen. And there the question, J.J., might be about, uh, you know, there may be some people out there who shouldn't ever be allowed to buy guns. And, you know, maybe there should be guns out there that some people should never be able to buy. I think I have a position on it, but I'm not arguing for my position. What what I'm saying is, on counterterrorism grounds, maybe we should have a discussion about some of these kinds of things. Well... Well, it sounds like part of that discussion is going on now it in is. election season, but it, 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 it unfortunately, it happens every time there is a tragic shooting right. uh, in, in this country, uh, and every shooting is tragic, but the mass shootings, and it never seems to get anywhere, and we end up in the same place. But I, I hear your point, and I hear that's a very, very interesting... Well, well let, me, let me continue one more round on the, on the, on the soccer field. Right. Remember, you got the sure, we've sure. got the zone. All right. So, so on nine ten, all right, right before nine eleven, right. I'm saying on nine ten, we're we're all backed up in our own de- defensive zone. We we're all inside our own eighteen yard line, and it it looked a hell of a lot like penalty kicks, JJ. Oh. All right. Mm. I mean, and what happened after nine eleven was we we started using the whole field. We not only went out to midfield again with some controversial programs. We went into, into their defensive zone. We went into our offensive zone. We made them worry about their goals. We started putting our ball in the back of their net. In other words, taking the fight to the enemy. So if you think of the current fight in those three zones, and I've got the changed flavor of threat, all right, and I'm saying our dominance of the midfield may not be as decisive as it was against the previous flavor of attack, and then, I'm, then I, I want to reexamine my defensive and offensive zone. And I just told you what I think we might want to think about in the defensive zone. J.J., don't forget the offensive zone. I think we ought to take the fight to these people ruthlessly within the laws of armed conflict. But we really, really should go after them. We need to make them less capable of coming after us for the complex attack. In that process, one of your former colleagues, Rick Leggett, who you know well, um said to me and for this program several months ago, which was earlier in 2016, that because of the Snowden leaks, because of the material that Snowden leaked, operators on the terrorism side, on the dark side, the bad side, people who are enemies of the U.S. have changed their tactics because they've learned how the U.S. does its business to, as you say, protect that midfield and in some cases go into the defensive zone of the, uh, the, the, uh, the opposition. And they've made adjustments. And he also went on to say that uh, there have been close to a thousand yep. scenarios where uh, they've made these changes. And some of these 
engaged in this change process were actually actively plotting attacks against the U.S. How do you defend against that, or can you? Well, number one, I saw Rick's comments as well on your show, and what he said was they were approaching 1,000 and counting of legitimate intelligence targets, many of them terrorists, who were changing their communications procedures, toughing them up as a direct result of the Snowden leaks. So no one should pretend that this was not without, without great cost. Now, JJ, all advantage in electronic surveillance, all advantage in signals intelligence is transient. You never have permanent capture of a target. And, and so this, this is different in volume, but not different in kind. The, the catastrophe here is that you lost so many targets in such a compressed period of time. You lose targets, but you generally lose them over time. And so now what NSA has to do is to continue the hunt, which it always does. It, it, it's just being forced to do it against a wider field, greater number of targets than is normally the case. It'll recover, but it'll take years and lots of money. And in the meantime, valuable intelligence will be lost. And that means a lot of midnight oil for intelligence officials worried about what they don't know about. Part of my conversation with Michael Hayden, former CIA director, former NSA director, author of the book, Playing to the Edge. We'll get back to more of that conversation in the coming weeks. But in the meantime, the 15th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks is approaching. And we've got a problem. And coming up in our next episode... The Postal Service loophole. This is a loophole that is being exploited by all sorts of threats out in the world. And we're not just focused on terrorism, all sorts of threats around the world. We need to start addressing it now. And former Assistant Secretary of Homeland Security, Juliette Kayyem says, all the bad guys know about it. If drug dealers know this is a vulnerability, I'm quite confident that those who would want to do harm, whether it's ISIS or 15 years from now, another organization whose name you and I don't even know right now, will take advantage of it as well. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. You know, if like the rest of the whole world, you're all caught up in the what the f*** did Donald tweet today game, good news. Podcast One's got a few shows that you need to download pronto. There's Breitbart's Milo Yiannopoulos. A weekly discussion of all things technology, media, video games, politics, internet culture, and of course, the dreaded social justice warriors. Former Clinton White House advisor Dick Morris. Hillary, I worked as her chief advisor for 20 years. I know her and she should not be president. Weekly Standard Editor Bill Kristol. We're fighting a war against radical Islam, but the President of the United States won't call it a war and he won't mention radical Islam. And all the editors of The Standard get together to do a weekly confab. Welcome to The Confab. I'm Eric Felton. Download Milo, Dick, Bill, and The Confab today on the Podcast One app or subscribe at podcastone.com.